Evening Grinders. Hey, it's the flagship show. It's uh, Grinders Live here on Roto Grinders. And, uh, and Dean apparently, uh, I, I think he's at Costco. It's what? I have to do what he normally It's 5.30 Eastern. It's 2.30 Pacific. And it's 4.30 in the Costco that Dean's shopping at right now. I guess they put me in charge. So who knows what's going to happen. But this is Grinders Live. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead. Uh, the man with the vomit stacks. Trust me, I got a couple today, maybe one or two. And I'm um, joined in in a in an intimate setting, two two man boot today with the proprietor of the bat and the bat X, which means it has to be cooler because that's what that's what you usually did. You put X or two thousand on something, it sounds cooler. I mean, it's Eric X Cardi. sounds cooler, so I had to brand it that way. So yeah, the bat X. Let's go. Are, are you going to come up with the bat Y for women? You know what? You never know. You never know. Got to keep people on their toes. So we got an 11 game slate tonight. Uh, no, no games canceled yet. No, no COVID COVID uh, scares. Uh, I, I think everyone is playing today. Uh, the main thing that we have to look at weather wise, we have Ross weather report. Uh, the only game that we have to worry about is uh, Washington at Atlanta. I mean, he put some notes here. There are some wildfires in California. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to affect anything. Uh, they uh, in the cores game storms possible early, but they, it's a yellow cores is going to happen. Uh, the main issue with uh, the Nationals and the Braves is that uh, there's very likely there's going to be a downpour, but it's going to be before the game, probably before first pitch, uh, and then the storms will probably clear out. So it's uh, Roth is saying that it's that's it's probably just going to be a late start. The game should be fine, but he wouldn't call it the safe play. And uh, that's going to be a big part of uh, tuning into crunch time. If you're a premium member, rotogrinders.com slash premium member, uh, at that slash premium, uh, 6.30, we got uh, cheese, we got SDL cards, we got Roth, crunch time for premium members through the RG app, through the RG site. So sign up for that. He'll have a much more detailed weather forecast on the, the Nationals-Braves game. But that is a game that I'm looking to target. So it's I'm hoping that it gets announced as a rain delay or a late start uh, before lock, which reduces its ownership. But uh, I'm I'm kind of treating it as it's going to play when we talk about it. But uh, I, you're not playing any pitchers in the game, so you don't have to, have to worry about that. But uh, pitcher-wise on this slate, it's not a bad pitching slate. We actually get one of these slates that have good pitchers. But even though we have a bunch of good pitchers, I think a lot of ownership is going to be focused on four of them. Would you agree? I would. I think there's four pitchers that you're considering for your cash games. One of them I'm not considering as much as I guess some other people maybe are, but I think there's there's four that you're you're pretty safe to go with, and if you're playing anyone else in cash games, you're you're doing it wrong. Okay, so the the four that we're talking about, it's going to be two at the high end, one in the mid range, and one really cheap guy. That so let's cool. talk about the top range. Uh, that would be Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom, most likely. In cash games, you're not playing both of them. No, uh, you could play both of them with the vomit stack in GPP. Yeah. <laughs> you can. Uh, I don't think you could necessarily go wrong with either, but I think I would favor Cole slightly over Degrom, even though Cole's obviously pitching in, in Yankee Stadium, which is a better ballpark for hitters than Miami. But Tampa Bay strikes out at a high rate compared to. Miami, and I think Cole has better strikeout stuff than DeGrom. DeGrom has this, who knows, with his blister or something. Maybe he had blister problems. I don't think that's necessarily a worry. I think they're both going to be owned enough. I think Cole may be. We have uh, Jimino's uh, ownership projections have Cole at 33%, DeGrom at 23%. So it's not like you're, if you're, I'm going to play DeGrom instead of Cole. You're not gaining that much leverage by doing so. But if you had to choose between the two, uh, I'm going with Cole, but would you say DeGrom is a better play? I think it's kind of a toss-up. I think the $800 savings on Cole definitely makes a difference. I'd say DeGrom's probably the better play in a vacuum, but play whichever one works with your team. You're not wrong. Oh, play, play whoever you want. You're play saying- whoever you want is exactly what you should do. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean- but there's no reason to necessarily – are you concerned about the DeGrom – you know, he missed his last start. Really. I mean, he had like neck stiffness or something. You know, he only missed, it's not even like he missed a full turn in the rotation. He pitched like 10 days ago or something like that. So maybe, maybe he has like a slightly shorter leash, but 
it's not anything that I'm overly concerned about. He's in the better park, like you said. He's against the worst offense. But the thing that I think makes Cole in this conversation and potentially the right play is that that strikeout difference. So I really, I really think you can go either way. Play whoever you want. Okay. Mid-range is going to be a very popular pitcher. He's going to be the highest on pitcher on the slate. Uh, yeah, that, I, that's the part that blows my mind, that he's going to be the highest on pitcher on the slate. You don't, you don't think that he should be? I think he's great. I think he's underpriced. I well, let's tell let's tell the viewers who it is. It's Chris Paddock, right? Okay, what he's facing Texas in San Diego. He's probably fifteen hundred underpriced here. Uh, he's been pitching almost a hundred pitches, so we don't deserve to worry about his leash that much. But in the mid range, like who else would you be playing? I wouldn't be, but that's. And again, it's very slate specific because we have these two aces at the top that are awesome. We have this cheap guy that I think is just like a stone lock. And so, like, I don't know. I I guess for me, I have a hard time fading this cheap guy that we're going to get to. I don't think you go mid-tier cheap guy. I don't think that works. I just think lineup construction-wise, at least in cash games, Paddock doesn't make sense because I want to pay for cores. Um, So I want to play this cheap guy. But if I play him in Paddock, it leaves me too much money. Like like expensive cheap just makes more sense to that. Right. And the cheap guy that we're talking about, what is a Dane Dunning? <laughs> Dane Dunning is actually like a semi-prospect. Um, he got injured. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. But he projects as like a league average pitcher. And he's in a good matchup. And it sounds like he should get a good amount of leash. And he's 4.5K. If you have a league average pitcher against the Detroit Tigers for 4.5K, I don't understand how he's not the most high-owned pitcher on this slate. Like last night, um, whatever his name was, Dylan Cease, who projects baseline as like the same guy. He projects as like a league average pitcher, was against the Tigers. He cost like 8.5K, and he was 50% owned. So like why at 4.5K is this guy not going to be the the uber chalk? On a course – you have his projected pitch count at 90? Yeah. So, I mean, is is, is the range of his pitch count wider? Because, like, Paddock, like, if he's doing well, he'll, he'll pay, you have his, his PPC at 94 in the bat, which that seems like a good median. But do you think 90, do you, th- do you think Dunning, if he gets into a little bit, little bit of trouble, like, only pitches 70? I mean, I don't see him coming out and pitching 110 or anything. No, but I mean, forty five hundred. Even if you told me he was pitching seventy pitches, still ain't a bad play. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just concerned to some extent that if I'm playing like cheap stacks, if I'm fading cores, I may not need Dunning. And if Dunning comes out and pitches, you know, seventy pitches, strikes out two and gives up two runs, like and gives me ten points, it's not something that I would necessarily have to have. In I get GPP, but I could understand totally playing Cole and Dunning in cash games. And I could totally see not playing Dunning and playing Cole and Paddock and just, you're going to be fading one or two cores bats and you ha- better hope that they don't do well in cash games. But we do have cheap hitters, but I think that I think we're on the chalk build. I think the Grum pl- or Cole plus Dunning and some cores versus the top two and Paddock with maybe one Coors bat, or you may have Paddock plus Dunning and then Coors stacks. So if you're playing those types of lineups in large field GPPs, consider where you should pivot from that, from a leverage perspective. But I think I would agree with you that in cash games, if you're going to play multiple Coors bats, I think you just take the $4,500 pitcher. Yeah, that, that, that's where I'm leaning. It's not like I dislike Paddock. On a different slate, he'd be a complete lock. It's just we have these four really good options today, and you can only play two of them. So, I mean, it's not bad to play Paddock. I just – I'll take the savings. Right, but I don't think I don't think in cash games we're going to see Paddock Dunning. I think it's more likely that people don't play Dunning. They play Cole and Paddock or DeGrom and Paddock and then find a couple of cheap bats. And we do have, we do have some cheap bats we do. to fill out your lineup. And, and maybe, I mean, at the start of the day, I didn't expect people to take that approach. I thought they would take Dunning. And 
an expensive guy. Maybe that's not what they do. Um, I think that's where the best value is, but you can certainly go, you know, Cole Paddock or something like that. Yeah. I think it's just more of the unknown. Like if you you just look at Dane Dunning and you go, I don't, if you're not tuned into Roto grinders or you don't have any projections, like you may look at him and go, Oh, there's some, no history. There's no game log. He comes out, pitches three innings for 50 pitches. And why am I playing him? That would be bad. They did say, though, a couple weeks ago, they, they kind of asked uh, the manager, like, you know, when's Dunning coming up? Um, he's like, you know, he's not really stretched out yet. Like, we don't want to bring him up. We could bring him up. He'll throw 45 pitches or three innings. And uh, he's like, but we don't want to do that. So, like, they left him kind of at their, whatever it's called, extended camp or whatever. And he kind of built himself up. You know, they said when they called him up, you know, today or yesterday that, you know, they're bringing him up with the intention of letting him pitch. Again, I don't think he's going 110 pitches, but I would be surprised if he gets pulled at 50 um, unless he's just getting completely shelled. Yeah, people are talking about Dunning is not on FanDuel, but I, uh, FanDuel, you're only playing one pitcher. So, I mean. Right, he the, wouldn't really be in play anyway on FanDuel. Right, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think you're only playing two pitchers on FanDuel for cash games. You're either paying up for Cole or DeGrom. DeGrom's actually 200 cheaper on FanDuel. Uh, or you're playing Paddock at, at 8,100. But I don't even know if you have to do that. FanDuel has enough cheap bats that on a yeah. one-pitcher site, just play, just play Cole, just play Cole DeGrum, lock in your 40 to 50 points, and then move on with your day. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Um, you're not getting that that steep discount that you are on Paddock. The pricing's a lot softer over there. Uh, Cole or DeGrom is the way to go. Probably DeGrom, I think. On the other side of Dunning, What's a Casey Mize? <laughs> Casey Mize is one of the better pitching prospects in the game. Um, the problem is that he has very little experience at the upper levels. His minor league numbers are very mediocre. Um, the White Sox, ha- or um, whatever it's called, the, the Tigers have said that they're going to kind of ease these guys in. Like we saw yesterday, the guy, I forget who it was already, Scoobal or whatever, um, you know, he didn't go very deep. Mize should go deeper than him, but I do think there are legitimate leash concerns with Mize, um, less so than with Dunning, I think. Right, because you have his PPCs at like 83, 82, uh, and he's also 6,900. You're not getting 4,500 Dunning. So if those were the chalk pitchers, if if Paddock's going to be 42% owned, and Lopez is going to be 9% owned, 500 cheaper. Like how often does Paddock beat Lopez that he should be four and a half times more popular? Not four yeah. and a half times more often. Like I love Lopez today as a GPP guy. I love Lopez in general. There's a lot of slates where I'd be playing Lopez in this spot. We just have so much pitching um, in cash games. But in GPPs, Lopez is a phenomenal play. Right. I think if Paddock wasn't on the slate, Lopez would be the one with 40% ownership. He might be. I mean, he's, he's a good pitcher. Like the bat was all over him last year when he was cheap. He was great. Um, he's in Marlins park. He's against the Mets offense that, you know, is okay, but they're really not that scary. Uh, Lopez at 7,200 is, is an awesome GPP play. If he's going to come in that low owned, which I expect he will. Another way to go in that type of range. It's a little bit more expensive. Uh, on the other side of the game from Paddock is Lance Lynn, 9,200 against San Diego. They have strikeouts. They, they also have power. Uh, San Diego's a good ballpark for, for pitchers. Lance Lynn probably has the longest leash of anyone on this slate. I mean, he could pitch 115 pitches. Uh, he's 9,200. Coming in at 10% owned on DraftKings, he'll probably be even much lower owned on FanDuel at 9,700. Uh, to me, I think Lance Lynn, uh, if you're going to play Lance Lynn on FanDuel and GPP, you're playing him because you're betting on the outcome that DeGrum and Cole both fail. Not get shelled or anything, just that Lynn puts up 45 and DeGrum and Cole put up 40, you know, something like that, where you saved $1,000 and you got a similar score. But on DraftKings, where you have to play two pitchers, like... You could make Cole or DeGrum plus Lynn and still play cheap stacks. Or you could play Lynn instead and play Lynn Paddock, Lynn Lopez, Lynn Dunning if you're making more expensive stacks. 
But coming in at 10% ownership, like, I wouldn't be shocked in this spot if Lynn pitched seven innings with eight strikeouts. No, I mean, like you said, he has one of the longest leashes of any pitcher in baseball. It's probably like him, Bauer, and like, I don't even know who, any, who else is up there at this point. Like, he, he can go very deep, and that, you know, that makes a big difference. Well, we got Marquez behind the plate there, so. Uh, yeah, that's not ideal. That's the best hitters umpire in baseball. But, that, you know. That, if Paddock's going to be 42% owned, if he's going to be the highest owned pitcher on the slate, and you want a reason to get off of him, when you have the guy with the lowest, the umpire with the lowest strikeout rate in the majors behind the plate, there, there, there's a reason there. I'm more likely in GPP to not play Paddock at all. Like I may, I may not have a single lineup with Paddock in today at if that. Be the high stone pitcher. I'm fine with that because it's not like he's this stone lock guy. We have other guys who project for the same, you know, amount of like point per dollar value. We have other guys in that range that are not quite as good. But like you said, a guy like Lopez, totally fine. A guy like Patrick Sandoval, I don't even hate today in that range. No, Sandoval's fine against the the, the Giants. I think the Giants, I, I like their prices. I like their bad prices. I think I'm more inclined to play Lopez. Uh, how about someone like Glass now? 8,800 on DraftKings. Are we more just concerned that, are you more concerned about the Yankees' bats or are you more concerned that Glass is not going to pitch more than 90 pitches? I think it's both. I think it's mostly the, the the short leash, the park, and the Yankees lineup isn't as threatening as it is when there's Judge and Stanton and whoever else in there. Um, but it's still a pretty good offense, and the price is really high. So are you on glass now today? He wasn't a guy that I, you know, would really be considering. On this type of pitching slate, 400 more. You got a guy that's going to throw 25 more pitches possibly. Right, so exactly. I'm, I'm looking for upside in GPP. That's why, like, a guy like Julio Urias – why is he 10-1 on DraftKings? I don't know, but that is really expensive. Over on FanDuel, he's really cheap, um, and he's only projected at 8% ownership as the, the fourth highest projected pitcher on the slate at 7.9K. Uh, Arias on FanDuel, I think, is really interesting. Another guy I wanted to talk about, because we may be on opposite sides of this. Lazardo, 8,200. In Oakland, which is a good ballpark for pitchers, he has strikeout upside. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks only have like a 3.8 implied run total. He's in that price range where Paddock is, 500 more. We have him at 5% owned versus 42% owned. Is Paddock going to outscore Lazardo eight, time, eight times more often? My answer is no. What it, does, is Lazardo? I'm, I'm on the other side of this, but it's not because of Lazardo. It's because the Diamondbacks' bats are like free today. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Lazardo in general. He's a guy who in the minors the last couple of years has had that super short leash, has had a really short leash in his outing so far this year. So I worry about his upside unless he's like super efficient. Um, so he wasn't a guy that I was thinking a whole lot about today. I same, I think the same thing I could throw him in that kind of a category is Aaron Savali at 9,800. I think on a different type of slate, He'd be more viable at 9,800 against the Pirates. I mean, it's a good matchup. He's shown a little bit more strikeout upside, but it's just that the the slate's loaded with pitching. Like, Lynn is 600 cheaper. Uh, Paddock's cheaper. I think Paddock beats him. Lopez beats him. I think if Savali was 8K, okay, then we could start talking. But, you know, when when, if you're going to play Savali and then try to play Cola de Grom, like, you ain't playing cores, which, I mean, you guess you can do. But I just don't think Savali in 9,800 has the requisite upside as, as a pivot, even at 4% though. He's not a 9,800 pitcher to begin with. It's a bad strikeout matchup. Like, I think he's just an overrated pitcher. So I, I have no Savali interest. Lastly, the pitchers and cores. Bill Miller's the umpire. Do, 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 we, do we just play them? Castellani is not for real, right? I mean, this no. 4,900, it's like, oh, well, he's pitching in cores, but you take a look at the game logs, you and like his hard hit percentage is like, like his BABIP is low. He's, so like, he's not real, right? He's, he's yeah. a fake guy. No, not real at all. He's one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. Like, you, you cannot play Castellani today. Because he's a pivot off of Dunning. 
he's not a good pivot off of that. No, no, I agree with you. He's fa- he's facing the team with the highest implied run total. Yeah, his mean projection is like four points. Like you just can't do it. There's four point six four. You're not playing Castellani today. I know you're not. No, of course not. No, I. You know me in GPP. I may get like weird at bats, but typically I'm pl- I'm playing I'm playing the best projected pitchers usually. Uh, is there anyone else that uh, you wanted to highlight to stand out today that we have not talked about? I think we kind of covered everyone. Um, you know, on a different slate, maybe we talk about other guys, but I really think I think we kind of covered it. Okay, so for chalk. Optimal type constructions, cash games, if you want to call it. DraftKings, FanDuel. FanDuel, I'm, I'm going to assume you play one of the two. You play Cola de Grum. Yeah. And I'm assuming on DraftKings, you're paying up and you're paying down. Yes, I think so. But it, but the difference between de Grum and Cole, if you want, if, it's close enough that if you wanted to flip a coin to choose, you, you wouldn't be crazy to do that. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not going to tell you you're wrong to play either one of those guys. Um, I don't even know which one I'm going to play right now. Either one is fine. Let's go over to bats, okay? I know the pricing on FanDuel and DraftKings are different. Instead of going position by position, let's go by what is the chalk, regardless of the position. I'm going to – we have to assume that cores is going to be chalky. Certain – players a little bit more so than others. I'm also going to assume that depending on this weather, we're going to see some cheap nationals bats. Yeah. We're going to see, we're going to maybe cheap Braves bats even, but would you have to assume that you're probably playing? Like we have the Houston lineup that just came out. I think it came out while we were talking. Because Tucker is batting seventh and he's 4,500. Obviously, if he was higher up in the order, I mean, he would be an obvious play. Okay, so Altuve has gotten his spot back in the top of the order, but Reddick is now batting fourth. Wow, Reddick fourth. I mean, we also have something called a Taylor Jones batting eighth. The Astros lineup just has so many holes in it. Like, like they're just not as good as I think people want them to be. But like, they're good hitters. Obviously, you love. Uh, there's no Toro today, who I was really kind of hoping to play. Um, this right, is a- so Toro, so Toro's gone from second base, third base discussion. Yeah, so that's going to condense. Now. If we go over here now to DraftKings and we go back to second base, like, does that make? I mean, Garrett, we have Garrett Hampson at forty seven hundred, but I mean, I think I think the cash play is more like like Tommy Lastella at thirty eight hundred to replace. I mean, him. I would think Luis Garcia is probably going to wind up being super. He was like 50% owned in cash last night. And and tonight there's just, there's nothing at the position. So 2,300 for him hitting sixth. We mentioned the cheap nationals are going to be pretty chalky. I think he's definitely one of those guys that will be in a lot of cash lineups. Right. And Toro was 3,600. So like if you just go over to La Stella, that's a $200 difference. But if you go down to Garcia, obviously now you have more money to spend. Uh, but he would he would have been one of the popular uh, Astros bats. But we have to assume that that the the chalk is like Springer, Tucker, Reddick, uh, then Story and Arenado for the Rockies. Uh, we talked about Luis Garcia, Adam Eaton at three thousand for the yeah. Nationals. Yeah. Gomes probably guys like that. I think are going to be super chalky. Okay. Uh, we also have Tim LaCastro leading off. The Diamondbacks at twenty two hundred. I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessary. In the same way that I don't think Victor Robles, batting ninth for the Nationals, is necessarily is, is necessary in cash bills. Those would be the types of players that you'd play if you're trying to jam in like Colin DeGrum together. But yeah. how about how about someone like Kevin Crone, batting eighth for two thousand? These Diamondbacks, Cardi, are like they're like no, they're they're priced that they're at Costco with Dean. They really are. I mean, I'm looking at the bats uh, stacks page right now. They are the top point per dollar ceiling stack on the slate. It's like them and the Nationals, like one two. Um, there's a lot of cheap bats in this Arizona lineup. But those would be the lineups that you don't play Dunning in, right? So, so you're saying you play like uh, you know Cole Degrom, or and then play like uh, an off the board like um, uh, whatever it's called Diamondback stack. And then some expensive 
bats around them, like whatever fits or how are you constructed? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'd be looking for. And I don't even have to play like Cole to Grub together. I could do something like Cole Lynn play a five man diamondback stack and still have Trevor story in my lineup and still have George Springer in my lineup or something like that. Cause the, the diamondback stack you could with LaCastro at two, two Kelly at two, nine Crone at 2000. I mean, you could get a stack diamondbacks back for like 13,000, 14,000. Um, so explain to me why you wouldn't go with the two expensive pitchers there, because once you have that diamondback stack, that's all the leverage you need. Are you saying you need that extra thousand dollar savings going down to Lynn? Or you think like, explain that decision to me. Well, it's, it's, it's more of the fact of, uh, how many points do I expect to get out of pitchers versus the variance that I could get from a batter? So for instance, if I go cold to Grum, I think I'm safe. If if they put up 20 points each, like that's great. But I mean, in order for, then the stack needs to score tw- 10 runs on an 11 game slate. Like when I play cheap stacks, the reason I do is because point per dollar wise, the Diamondback stack may only need to put up six or seven runs to pay off. But if it only puts up six to seven runs, I need like 60 points out of my pitchers to play the double the double stud. But if I play a Springer store, like I, if I play guys that could double dong, it can, like the variance, that I basically I'm increasing my variance for GPPs by doing that. And if one of the studs fail or just only puts up 18, well, if I play Lance Lynn instead of Cole or something like that, that $1,800 could have paid up for, you know, a 23-point George Springer or, a, you know, a Trout or something like that. So I don't have to rely on both studs. Like, I could choose one or the other. And if one of them puts up 40 points, great. But, I mean, in order for it to work, they either both have to put up 40 or the stack has to put up 10-plus runs. And it's not like I'm expecting the Diamondbacks to put up 10 runs on Lazardo. It's just that when you play Vomit Stacks, you just don't like cores. If you play Astros or Rockies and it's a six to four game, you lost. If you stack them, like there's no way when you stack the tigers, when you stack the, the garbage teams, they put up six runs and you're sitting there going, okay, if my one-ups and pitchers do well, I could win a GPP. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss about these vomit stacks because people hear, Oh, you're going to stack Arizona tonight. You're going to stack Pittsburgh. Like, what are you thinking? It's like, you don't need them to put up 15 runs. They're cheap enough where they don't have to do that. And, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, their odds of even getting six runs are not great, but it's high enough where if you play them over the long term, these plays are going to work out and the stuff around them is going to, is going to, you know, make it all work. Right. That's why I like new in the bat this year is the, the, the top stacks. Based on point per dollar. This is different from Slate IQ. This is just the bad projections. I will even reload it because every five minutes reloads. And you could just sort it by point per dollar and see the ceiling, ceiling point per dollar. This is this is a vomit stack detector. So I look at it and I go, okay, the Nationals, they're cheap enough. You know, I look at the Diamondbacks. They're cheap. This is how I see. So, I mean, I can go through lineup HQ with the bad projections and go team by team and see this information. But on just one page with the back, I'm just like, okay, who are my vomit stacks? Oh, look, Nationals, Diamondbacks, Tigers, I guess. I mean, I'm just looking through some that could be. I mean, I have to go to the individual batters to see how, you know, how the positions and prices worked out. But I mean, I could just in one one stop shop go like, wow, the Angels are projecting pretty well today. And then I could look into it a little bit more, right? The Tigers, I mean, the Tigers would be leverage against, uh, you know, a kind of chalky Dunning in a way. But are there any other stacks other than core? Do we have to talk about cores? Cores is I great. Mean, the chalk. People know to play cores. Cores is great. You know, play Story, play Springer, play Altuve, play, you know, Tucker, play Bregman, play whoever you want from cores. Not whoever you want. Play the good guys from cores in your cash games and in GPPs. I guess before we move on from cores in GPPs, are you going to have any cores today or uh, any core stacks or are they just going to be one-offs around your vomit stacks or like, how are you? Yeah. 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 I'm more likely like if I take a look now on the screen, let's see, let's go to Houston, Colorado. We don't have a Colorado lineup. Like I'm going to look like position. Like I'm more likely to play one-offs in scarce positions 
versus in abundant positions. Cause I could find a home run in the outfield somewhere. Right. So I'm less likely like sorting by ownership. I'm less likely to play a Kyle Tucker one-off. I'm less yeah. likely to play a Springer one-off, but playing Trevor story at shortstop. Like I don't mind. He's going to be the truck shortstop. Sure. But I'm surrounding it with a 4% owned stack. So, and then I don't have to play in a diamondback stack. I don't have to play Nick Ahmed. Right. I don't have to, you know, I look at it like the nationals on the other hand, if I stack the nationals, I probably want to do it with Trey Turner, but maybe I could play Nolan Arenado at third base. So I don't play as dribble Cabrera and I can play Cabrera at first base anyway. So I let really, that's what I'm looking at. So like Correa, I'm more likely to play Bregman, but like the guys like Reddick or Guriel at 5,800 at first base. Maldonado with catcher. I'll just fill a catcher in my stack. I don't need a $5,100 catcher batting ninth. So, so what about full course stacks? Because that's a sexy thing. That's the thing people want to do. Are you doing any full course stacks today? I'm not, I'm not even sure if I've ever played full course stacks in the history of DFS. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to like, just kind of get that out there. So people kind of understand like the whole, the whole thing of how to approach, you know, a slate like this, because people want to play cores, but playing cores is not necessarily the way to win a GPP. <laughs> it could be the way to win a small field GPP. If it goes off, the problem comes in is like, let's take a look at this ownership. Okay. Let's take a look at the, the Houston stack ownership that we currently have. So if you're going to play the top owned guys, cause we don't have Taylor Jones in here yet. So look, you got 21% Springer, 17% Bregman. Reddick is 12%. Tucker's 22. Correa's 18. A five-man stack of that, like 50, a good 10, 12% of the lineups in the entire GPP are going to be that stack. So if that stack does well, great. You, you, came, in, you came in the top 88th percentile for a, uh, what, a 3X payout? It's going to depend on the rest of your, like the rest of your lineup. But if, if this, if the Astro stack fails, I've essentially eliminated 12% of lineups from even the, just, I don't even have to compete against them. They're, they're done. Yes. Is the Astro stack more likely to do well? Yeah, of course. But I'm looking to win first place. And we can take a look at the Colorado stack. Story and Arenado and Hampson. I mean, that combination is going to be in like just 15% of lineups. So like, of course, ends up as a, as a five to three game. Like you have 10 other games to choose from. So like by not playing cores, it's not that I'm, I think cores is going to be a one, nothing game. It's going to be, I don't think the stack pays off, but maybe there's one or two guys that put up a 20 plus point score and I could build around them. That makes sense. Do you think the angels are going to be popular tonight? The, the ownership rates in, in lineup HQ are a little higher than I was expecting. Like the bat is higher, quite a bit higher than Vegas on the angels tonight. Um, one of the better point per dollar and one of the better raw point stacks in the bat tonight. Um, so I'm really intrigued by the angels, but I'm curious where people are going to land on them. Cause I don't no, think, I think, I think the hamster wheel, Jamino's hamster wheel got a little out of control. <laughs> um, I mean, Trout's going to get some ownership. I, I'm, I'm expecting Listella's going to come up because uh, Toro's gone. So Listella will probably be up in like a 14, 15% range. But Trout will, what will end up happening is people will look at Mike Trout at 6,100 and go, why aren't I playing a Coors bat instead? Same for Otani at 4,100. It's like, just it ends up in a range where, why aren't you playing a Coors bat instead? And, uh, you know, I, Cueto has been better this year, but it's not like I'm afraid of him. And he really, he really hasn't even been that much better. Like you look it just, at he him, hasn't been horrible. I mean, we've seen him where he's just horrible. Like his peripherals are bad. Like I think Cueto is very bad. I think this park is a lot more hitter friendly than we thought it was going to be coming into this year because of the way the, the wind is, is interacting with it and everything. Um, and I think Otani especially is like severely underpriced at 4.1 K. Like, I think he's one of my favorite one-offs today. Um, yep, I have him marked. What's my, that? My, my GPP plays. Otani 41. I've been playing. You can play him lefty on lefty and he's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think people have, I mean, he's been bad this year, you know, bad on the surface. And I think people are seeing that and they're afraid to play him. And he saw that he got hurt on the pitching side and they're like, is he right? Can I play Otani? The answer is yes. You can play Otani. Like you look under the hood, everything he's doing is exactly the same as it's been in previous years. The only thing that's different is a really low bet, but his strikeouts are the same. His walks are the same. All of his stack cast numbers basically across the board are the same. Same launch angle, same exit velocity, better in some cases. 
Um, so I have no issues with Otani, and four one is such a cheap price. And also, if this order comes out the way it is, the Angels are much easier to stack than they normally are. Yeah. If, if Upton doesn't play, we got Fletcher at shortstop. Lastella could fill fill a second base spot. Otani could fill a first base spot. You have Rendon at, at third base and Trout it out. You have two outfield spots if you want. Of course, you could play a Brian Goodwin or a Joe Adele. Max Stassi's cheap at catcher. I just think there's a lot more uh, versatility with an Angels stack today based on their lineup uh, than they would normally be when they play a lot of outfielders. But I want to talk about, I think, uh, the second best game on the slate. It's the weather game. Uh, we have uh, the Nationals against the Braves. Uh, the Nationals are underpriced, uh, which, I mean, some of their hitters are going to be chalky because of that. Yeah, sure. uh, I think the Braves are still a little underpriced because uh, Marquecas is out. So we have uh, Duvall, 3,700 batting cleanoff. Ry- Riley at 3,400 batting fifth. Camargo, like other than like Freeman, like no one's expensive. And we have this matchup of Fetty versus uh, versus Wright. Uh, one thing... Uh, just a, a tip. If you're going to choose a stack, other obviously you look at projections. So, I mean, I have no problem. It's built into the projections. I'm more likely to stack. What a lot of people get wrong is that they try to stack against contact pitchers. So like the Zach Davies or the Brett Andersons, the guys that that don't strike anyone out, but they also don't walk anyone. They just let you basically pitch the contact, get Babip on their side, ground balls, weak fly balls, uh, I don't stack against – I try not to stack against them because it relies on BABIP for the stack to go off. I stack against pitchers that walk batters because they're putting runners on base, so I'm getting a lot more opportunity for more points the more my batters get up. And Fetty and Wright, I think on this slate, outs, I mean, they have the, like the worst K-to-walk ratio of like any pitcher on the slate. That's interesting that you say that because I, I see so many fantasy players a lot of times be like, I don't want to play these hitters against, um, or I don't want my hitters to walk. They'll, they'll say like, oh man, he, he walked that at bat. That, that's such a waste. Like they don't want that because two points isn't enough, especially from a GPP mindset where you want the home runs and stuff. So you're, you like the walks because you like. No, the- no, no, no. You're, you're getting it wrong. You have, you have the wrong mindset. Let's take a look at this Nationals lineup. Okay. If Trey Turner walks, that's a potential steal, right? Right. Now, when Eaton comes up, if he gets a single, that's not just three points. That scores Turner. So he gets two extra points, and you get the two points from Turner for scoring that run. Walks are good for stacks. They're not good for one-offs, but they're great for stacks. If if, if Wright is walking six guys today, like – Every, every inning, there'll be people on base for Soto to hit a three-run home run instead of a solo shot. Or Carter Kaiboom to hit, you know, a, a, a two-run double instead of just a double. And then you're getting the runs and the RBIs on top of it. So, like, walks are great for stacks. They're horrible for one-offs because, I mean, you're getting two points, whatever. It's better than nothing. But that's why, like, when you stack against a guy that never walks anyone and just gives up hits, just gives up contact, you know, like the Rick Porcellos, Right, twelve hits, four runs, but it's like the hits don't amount to anything unless they're home runs. But if you're constantly walking people, like, just like I'm getting five at bats from nearly all my hitters, automatically because of it. Makes sense. I Is like that it. something you haven't heard? From I mean, just my impression of how people view DFS, they just hate the walks. So I mean, that I could be totally off on that, but. uh I don't hear a lot of people talk about it like that, but it makes sense. I mean, I like walks, obviously. They go into the projections, and so, I mean, I, I think it makes total sense. Right, it helps with correlation. So that's why looking at Wright and Fetty, like with guys that have high walk rates, and the st- I mean, obviously the Nationals are going to be popular. I think the Braves will be decently popular. I think it'll be a little bit higher on than what we have here. But uh, And I think that the weather may scare some people off, and I think it's the second best hitting environment on the slate. Is there a better hitting environment outside of cores on the slate other than Atlanta? Um, the twins game's a little hotter and it doesn't have the wind blowing in that the Braves do. But uh, I mean, I think that's, those are the only games over 80 degrees. So let's take a look at Minnesota. No one's playing them. They don't project all that well against Anderson. Is there a reason for that? I mean, he's a, he's a lefty. 
that yeah. doesn't strike. I mean, it doesn't really strike anyone out. But he, but like I said, he also doesn't doesn't really walk that many people. He's a light throwing lefty, like Nelson Cruz, lefty masher. Oh no, Blender, not you too. <laughs> I had to throw it in, right? You play Nelson Cruz today with Wilmer Flores and James McCann if he's in the lineup. Just play all the lefty mashers you can because that's obviously a thing. But the Twins, if, if the Twins put up 10 runs, would, would anyone be shocked they did? Other than they don't project very – I mean, from a ceiling perspective, like the bat doesn't like the Twins today. But I think their ceiling is just as high as any any other team. Yeah, I think they're fine. Um, I can't really speak to why it doesn't love them. But, uh, you know, I think they're fine. Let's talk a little bit about FanDuel. I know we're very DraftKings-centric. Uh, at least with me, because I play mostly on DraftKings. Uh, talk about chalky plays on FanDuel in comparison to DraftKings. Because while someone like Luis Garcia at second base on DraftKings maybe owned a lot at 2300 or he may get Kyle Tucker a little bit more at $4,500. Uh, it's a little bit different on FanDuel. Uh, I still think Kyle Tucker will still be owned at 3,300 on FanDuel, but like Tommy's Listella is 2,300. Yeah, uh, a lot easier to play him on FanDuel. Josh right. Reddick, who's hitting cleanup, you know, in cores, is way too expensive on DraftKings, but he's pretty cheap on FanDuel. Um, Adam Duvall is really cheap on FanDuel. I would imagine he's going to be very chalky. Like Ryan Braun. I mean, like, I don't think you play. Like, the difference is, like, Kevin Crone, $2,000 on DraftKings is like 50% of the average player salary. But 2000 on FanDuel isn't. Yeah. Because the, the delta between the max, min and max. So, like, I, I don't care about Kevin Crone on FanDuel. Like, I don't care necessarily about the cheapies. And, like, Eaton, like, he's okay on FanDuel at 2600 But at 3000 on DraftKings, he's significantly underpriced compared to the average batter salary. Yes. So, any other FanDuel batters that uh, you're looking at Cash wise, um, I mean, those are kind of the guys um, you know that stick out to me that aren't necessarily like strong cash plays on DraftKings. It's like uh, it's like Duvall, Reddick. Uh, you mentioned Braun. I think he's a strong play on FanDuel. Jordan Luplau, you know, maybe he's pretty cheap on DraftKings too, but he's two one on FanDuel um, against a pretty bad lefty. So I think he's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, FanDuel though, like their pricing is so soft, it's very easy to get a full. Astro stack and you know Trevor Story or something crazy like that or Trey Turner in uh in your FanDuel lineups with DeGrom or or Cole like you can just do that because that's how their pricing is but that makes it for GPPs even more so where you can get leverage yes if that fa- if that fails it's quite easy and uh would you do you have any concerns about Luplo in general that like uh pinch hit platoon risk obviously he's very uh home run dependent so, like, I think I'm less likely to prioritize him in a cash build versus GPPs. But, I mean, I don't even think – see, the thing is, is that on FanDuel, I don't even think you have to use him. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a guy who in the past has been pinch hit for a lot this year. Uh, definitely not as much. So, I mean, I don't think that's as much of a concern as it has been in previous years. But, you know, I mean, he'd kind of just be like a filler guy. You know, a filler guy to save some money and get other stuff. But for cash, I think he's fine. Right, we have people in the chat and the YouTube. If you're in the YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. It keeps my water cold. It keeps Derek Cardi's hair fresh or something. It does something. <laughs> uh, hit, the, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. If you have any questions, feel free to type them in the YouTube chat for the last five minutes of the show. Uh, you see, I don't like going position by position because it really depends on your lineup construction how you're building. I just want to highlight like the most owned median cash type of plays. I think Toro would have been like super chalk at 3,600 if he was in the lineup, but we do have a yeah. Chris Owings sighting. Well, how, how much is Chris Owings? Oh, that's interesting. We got a Rockies lineup now. Yeah, we have a Rockies lineup. Owings Chris Owings is 4,600. Four, so no. That's, that's probably too expensive now. <laughs> right. But we got Kemp. Is Kemp cheap? Kemp is probably not cheap enough. 4000 so He's not hard. Away, so not bad. But I mean, on the cores, in the cores game, 
I, the Astros are going to be much higher on than the Rockies. If like, if you wanted to play, see, this is what I mean by thinking in terms of the overall lineup. If you wanted to play a Rocky stack with story and Arenado, you could still do so and still not be that high owned. You could play Tapia. You could play Kemp. You could play Butera in your lineup. You could play, you know, you don't have to play Hampson. You could play, pay up for Blackman. Like there's a way even in those stacks to get different. Cause like even, even the Houston lineup, let's say instead of playing Guriel, you play Taylor Jones. He's probably a computer generated player. I don't know who he is, <laughs> but he's 3,700. You play him, you overpay for Maldonado or something like you, you don't, you don't play Springer. You don't play Bregman. Like you do. There's a way to get around, like still playing. Cause Guriel will be lower owned at 5,800. So just because like, when we talk about that's the chalk stack and, oh, don't play that in GPP. Well, there's a way around. There's a way that Altuve fails in the stack and the five man is at the bottom of the order. You, you never really know. It's not something that I do as often, but if you wanted to get different, you could do it that way. I'm more likely GPPs today to play these guys as one-offs and not as a stack at all. But at least the Rockies, I can understand <coughs> that – you can play them and it's still still be fine at these ownership levels. Uh, one guy that I we haven't mentioned because people do love as much as you don't love it. People love the picks. People love who to who play. Who cares about pick? Here's a pick. <laughs> Here's my picks. There you go. There's my picks. <laughs> but one guy I see you have listed as a GBP guy that the bat loves is Trent Grisham. And I think he's going to fly under the radar. Um, I think he's a great one-off in cash. I think he's great for GPPs. He's 3.1K. He's against Lance Lynn, so people aren't going to want to play him against Lance Lynn. But he's cheap enough. He hits low in the order. Lynn has a very wide platoon split. He's got the platoon advantage. So I think uh, Grisham is is a really strong option today as a way to save money and afford other stuff. Yeah, I have him as a, as a GPP. I don't, I don't think I would stack the Padres against Lynn. But Grisham, yeah. Grisham leading off against Lynn, I have no problem. The lefties against Lynn. No problem whatsoever. So here are my GPP plays. Uh, people are asking for my stacks. Uh, Arizona is the vomit stack of the day. Uh, anything in the Atlanta Washington game, I'm fine with. Even if they have a even if they have rain problems, <clears throat> the Angels, even with Trout in the stack, because no, people are going to play the the Astro the Coors bats. So like, why not? Uh, and then. I'm not into uh, the the leverage stacks today. Like I could, say, you could make a case to playing the Tigers against uh, Dunning if Dunning's gonna be chalky. But I like I'm not playing. I could just fade Paddock. I don't have to play the Rangers against him. Like right. just fading him and just playing another stack would be fine. But if you wanted super leverage, sure you could do that. And I, I'm not in the business of, fa- of of stacking against aces. So I know it's super leverage to stack against the Grummer Cole. It's, a, it's an 11-game slate. If it's a five-game slate, maybe I consider that. But uh, Donnie Watson wants to know, uh, Cardi, is Altuve broken? I don't know if Altuve is broken. I mean, it's so early in the in the year to start calling guys broken. and I, I'd have to look A third into, of the year is done. A third of the season is done. Yeah, a third of the season is done. It's been th- three weeks, not even. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about Altuve. Um, I would probably lean towards builds with Luis Garcia tonight, maybe. Although I, I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong to play Altuve either. I think it's fine either way. But Altuve is like 60, 6,100. Yeah. If you think he's broken, you're not going to pay 6,100 for him. No, definitely not. Um, I don't think he's broken. I don't like calling players broken after a couple, you know, a couple down weeks or whatever. That's uh, I think that's overly reactionary type thinking. But that's what people, that's what DFS players do. Oh, but that's how we take advantage of them. Yeah. Tyler Chatwood had two good starts and then got killed. And he was chalk when he got killed. Like, like how? Like, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Recency bias. They take advantage of it. So uh, to wrap up the show, we got uh, one minute left. Just a review from the proprietor of the bat, Derek Cardi. Who would be your top? You 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 do the picks. I'm not doing the picks. <laughs> you do the picks on DraftKings and FanDuel. Who who stand out as the top plays overall? All right, your your SP one is going to be Cole or Degrom on both sites. Play one of those guys. Your SP two on DraftKings. I think it's Dunning. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong if you play Paddock, but I prefer the savings on Dunning. 
play a bunch of Astros bats, think about playing Story, Arenado, and Coors, um, and then fill in with some cheaper guys, cheaper nationals, Jan Gomes, Luis Garcia, Adam Eaton, Victor Robles, whoever you want. Um, that's kind of, I think, your your core build tonight um, in cash games at least. Right. And FanDuel, it's play whoever you want because you could fit anyone yeah, you want. FanDuel, spend up on whoever you want, really. Throw LaStella, throw Duvall, throw Braun into the mix on FanDuel. Okay, so uh, this, this is my first time, I think, hosting Grinders Live. I think – did I do a good enough job for Dean? I did, the, the people in the – yeah, no, the, the, the chat loves Dean. So I'm never going to win them over. They say that I scream too much. Obviously, they don't, they, they, they don't mind that in the morning. Someone said they didn't mind it in the morning because people are waking up and I'm like their alarm clock. So it's okay to yell at them. Blender's what you get. because he's passionate and he wants you guys to win. He doesn't want you guys to be stuck. No, I don't want you to win. He wants to. I want you to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I want to win. Like if I'm, if I had a choice, it would be me winning and you coming in underneath every one of my lineups. Because even <laughs> if you come in second, I probably have multiple lineups and I want to come in second, third, fourth. Like that's what you gotta, I want. You got to trick people into learning though, Blender. If you say you want them to win, they're going to be a lot more receptive than if you say you want them to learn. Even yeah, though I don't want to lie, lie to the people. <laughs> I'm not in the business of lying to people, but you could find me in the, in the Discord on Roto-Grinders. If you're a premium member in the back chat with Derek Cardi every day in there, dropping the knowledge, uh, Coming up uh, for premium members, crunch time with uh, Roth, Cheese, SDL cards. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a way to. I, t- I have a way to get out of crunch time. Typically, I typically I flip people off for the premium members, but uh, but I guess that has been the flagship show, Grinders Live on RotoGrinders.com. Mm-hmm.